the series of prayer that different ones have been teaching on as part of our emphasis for impact, concerning impact. I'm going to talk about becoming a praying community. And uh, Sammy's testimony was really good because in a way she set it up nicely for me in terms of what I'm, I'm going to share. Um, I, I really believe that when God is doing something in your life and in the life of a church, it's easy to miss it. Because sometimes when God is doing something, it doesn't look spectacular. And so when you're in it, you think it's just normal, everyday activity. But the reality is when you look back, you realize something significant, something historic was taking place, and maybe you missed it. So we don't want to do that. We don't want to miss it as a church. We know that God is doing something significant. Imagine tomorrow will mark, really today marks one year where as a church we have been praying every single day. Every single day as a church. Yeah, I think that deserves a clap offering to the Lord. Can you imagine? As a church, every single day we've been praying um, uh, uh, since the last Monday of February last year. And uh, when we started that, I remember how the Holy Spirit had been speaking to me the previous year about doing something like this and how scared I was about my own capacity to even do it. And then the Holy Spirit specifically instructing that it should be between five and six in the morning. And I was like, Lord, have mercy. How on earth am I going to wake up at five, yet alone ask anybody else to? But some of you have been, many of you have been amazing. And um, through thick and thin, snowstorm or alarm clocks, snooze buttons and what, like, we've been waking up and we've been at it and it's been fantastic. If you agree with me, say amen. amen. So um, I feel in my spirit that uh, we should talk about us as a church now graduating to becoming a praying community. Isaiah 56, verses 6 and 7. Your notes has verse 7, but verses 6 and 7 says, Also the foreigners, the sons of the foreigner, sorry, who joined themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord to be his servants, everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And really, that last portion is what I just want to touch on, but I read the rest for a bit of context. My house, he says, shall be called a house of prayer. And Matthew 21, 13, and also in John, Jesus refers to this scripture in a certain context. In Matthew 21, 13, he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you've made it a den of thieves. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Another portion of scripture, again, not in your notes, but worth repeating is our key text for the next few years. Matthew 5 verses, Matthew 5 really verse 14, really verse 14 is what I want to focus on. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. So, we're talking about, as a church, becoming a praying community. And uh, really, this is, this is more to really 
exhort you and to encourage you to buy into what we as a church are about and what God says his house is about. That is to be a house of prayer. And uh, by uh, being a praying community, I'm referring specifically to corporate prayer, the corporate prayer life of the church. In other words, when we as a church pray together, when we pray intentionally, deliberately together, and we as members of the church that we are a part of, whether you're part of this specific local church or whatever local church you're a part of or you're going to be a part of, that you ensure that you buy into their prayer life as a church. Because corporate prayer is one of the keys that elevates the church to become that city set on the hill, that exalted city, that city that is able to be a beacon of light to those around it that need direction to the house of God. A praying church, as you've heard it said, is a cliche, but it's so powerful and so true. A praying church is a powerful church. Uh, the more God's people learn to pray together, the more effective they become as individuals, but also as a corporate unit. And uh, at, at times, we really underestimate how important it is for our personal lives to pray as a corporate body. Uh, he says, my house shall be called the house of prayer. Now, we know that when he talks about the house of God, it's really the church, local church, universal church. But also, you know, as an individual, you are God's house. You are his temple. He dwells in you. And he wants your house to be a house of prayer. He wants you to be known as a praying house. Your life is a praying life. And I guess my question is, does heaven recognize you as such? See, because at the end of the day, it's not even what the church thinks. It's what he thinks. It's what God thinks about what we say and what we do that really matters. You know, at times I have debates with people, and sometimes we agree and sometimes we don't agree. I'm not really too fast whether people agree with me or not because at the end of the day, it's what heaven thinks about what I think and about what you think. That's really what matters. And our first priority as believers has to be to seek to please the Lord and to do what he wants us to do before we even seek to please others. And so the best way in which we approach situations and certainly prayer is through the lens of scripture. And how does God see? And I want to encourage you, whatever level of grace you have when it comes to prayer, don't be satisfied until heaven recognizes you as a man or as a woman of prayer. That when you stand before God to pray or when you bow the knee or whatever posture you take, the angels say, great, he's praying. They can, they can draw from your prayer. Heaven says, yes, that's my child. Let's give audience to him. And that you're not a religious person with a lot of knowledge, but there's no life between you and the Father. There's no life between you and the Spirit. There's no life between you and the Lord Jesus. Because you may have a lot of information, and this is certainly some of the things I see as a, a believer over my years, 
People have a lot of knowledge, but they have no life. No life of God because they're not connected to him. So he wants his house to be a house of prayer. And uh, corporate prayer, by its nature, will help you and empower your personal prayer life and your private prayer life. Many Western Christians have this mindset of, you know, their walk with God is individualistic, it's between them and God. You know, they'll come to church, they'll hear the word and stuff like that. But when it comes to their walk with God, it's between them and God. That's not New Testament. That is more Old Testament than New Testament. That is New Testament Christianity can only function properly, or New Testament discipleship can only function properly within the context of community. I need you and you need me. It's as simple as that. You need the person sitting next to you, maybe the person you don't even like. You need them. You need them. And certainly, probably, this is why when the church was first born, the New Testament church, that is, um, the believers were encouraged to plug into the prayer life of the church. Acts, Acts 2.42, he says, these new believers, after they'd been baptized, says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and fellowship in the breaking of bread and prayers. These are the four pillars of an apostolic church. Apostles' doctrine, apostles' teaching. We won't go into that today. Fellowship, which is partnership sharing, you know, not just a corporate gathering, but also interaction that we have with each other. Breaking of bread, so important. That's why as a church we do it every week. And in prayers. They did it together. They did these things together. They prayed together, standard. As the primary activity they were engaged in after they gave their life to Christ. Corporate prayer is an essential part of the New Testament expression of faith. If you are serious about your faith, and I know all of you in this room are, if you've given your life to Christ, then you need to realize that you have to pay attention, not just to your personal prayer life, but to your corporate prayer life. It's so important. And I'll give you a few reasons why later on, um, the benefits of this. But it's even more important for those of us who are serious about discipleship. How many of you are serious about discipleship? I do really want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I mean, seriously, I was sharing in India, I was sharing in India about... Um, the fact that I was talking to pastors and we did these two pastors conference and in both of them I emphasized this point that as a pastor our most important priority is to be disciples of Jesus. Apostle, bishop, prophet, teacher, all of those things are secondary. They're important but they're secondary. There is no higher calling upon the life of a believer than to be a disciple of Christ. Can you say amen? amen? And so, we, if we are serious about discipleship, then corporate prayer plays a key role. Now, let's give a few examples of the early church praying together. Acts 1.14. Now, this is even before the Holy Spirit fell upon them. It says this. These all continue. This is the 12, Mary, and the mother of our Lord Jesus, his brothers, and a, few, a, a whole heap of other people. He says, these are continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Acts 4, 31, after Pentecost. 
And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. I am believing one day that our church, we will pray so much that the Spirit of God will respond with our, to our prayer and shake the place. And not just shake the place, but shake the community. Not just shake the community, but transform our lives. You know, in, in, I don't know how you do it in your personal prayer life, but in my personal prayer life, I like to ask him, the Holy Spirit, to fill me. To fill me afresh. To fill me afresh. Fill me afresh. I say, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh. Fill me with fresh oil. Fill me with fresh oil. You know, I like to tell him, strengthen your servant. That's what I like to say at times. Strengthen your servant. Strengthen me, Father. I say to the Holy Spirit, strengthen me. Strengthen your servant. Strengthen me. Help me to yield to your leadership. And sometimes I'll spend like 20, 30 minutes just saying the same thing to him. Saying the same thing to him. Until strength comes. You see, your prayer life must be dynamic. Amen. It has to be. It has to be dynamic. It has to be something that you know you encounter God. Now, I enjoy a lot of stale prayer times. Loads of stale prayer times. I mean, this morning I got up about, um, about two something and I, I, and I began to seek him. And, um, and I said to him, I said to him, please, can you give me the grace to last till five o'clock? Because then we have that prayer thing. And then give me the grace to last for the next hour after that. And he did. It was this amazing miracle. Um, I did quite well. Um, but it, was, it wasn't easy. Yeah, I, mean, I felt like sleeping quite a few times. Anyway, so, but the point is, your prayer life must be dynamic. The early church as, a corporate, as an individual, but more so as a corporate body, it must be dynamic. We, we shouldn't just pray as a ritual. So when we say, let's pray for such a thing, and let's, let's raise our voices to God, we should raise our voices. We shouldn't be shy. You know, we're, we're, we are British-ish. We're British. And we are exuberant in the sports arena. I mean, me and my bro, we support Liverpool yesterday. They did really well. Hallelujah. If you support West Ham, I'm sorry. But uh, we get really excited about silly things. Silly things. We get exuberant about silly things. How much more when it comes to when we gather like this and we say, okay, let's just raise our voice to the Lord and let's just ask him to bless his people. Raise your voice to the Lord. Because if, if you were doing it by yourself, that's when it's kind of weird. Like I'm talking right now and you decide on your own volition, you know what, I just feel like raising my voice to the Lord. Lord, help us. Now that's kind of weird because that's out of order. But if we all did it together, it's great. Amen. Yeah. Look at Acts chapter 12 verse 5. So that's this one example, Acts 12, 5 and 12. Peter was therefore kept in prison. Now this is when Peter was going to be killed. James had already been killed by Herod. James, the great apostle, one of the sons of thunder, had been killed. He'd been beheaded by Herod. And when the church saw that James had been killed, they panicked. They thought, whoa. They didn't think James was going to get killed because, you know, he was one of the 12. And there was a great future for the 12. Herod captured them. They didn't think he was going to get killed. And they killed him. And Herod killed him. So the church was like, whoa, what's going to happen? They've killed James, who's second in command. They're going to chop Peter's head. Of course, remember, it's J Peter, James, John, then the rest. So, look at what it says. 
Peter was therefore kept in prison by constant prayer. Say constant prayer. Constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Constant prayer was offered to God um, for him by the church. Constant prayer. And I, I think for me, my vision, my dream in my spirit is that one day, CLF Greenwich, this local church, will be praying every single hour. But we have to be much bigger than this to do that. I mean, imagine if we tried it. We'll be all exhausted after day three. We'll be all exhausted. But if it's thousands of us, it's a lot easier to manage. But can you imagine? They were praying constantly for Peter. And it's no wonder that Peter had the dramatic deliverance that he had. Because people don't understand something. People think, oh, Peter was delivered because God wanted to deliver Peter. Of course. But God could only deliver Peter in cooperation with the church. It was the prayers of the saints that enabled, empowered God to deliver Peter, as crazy as that might sound. And that's why I treasure prayer. I treasure prayer because I know how important and valuable corporate prayer. I mean, I treasure the prayer of the saints, that is. You know, you, you see as we look at this further how much Paul the Apostle treasured the prayers of the saints. Constant prayer was offered um, to God for him by the church. And it was because of that that he experienced a kind of deliverance. Verse 12. So when he had considered this Peter after he'd been delivered and looked at how he'd been delivered, you have to read the whole story to get the context. He came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. So he was delivered, and in the midst of his deliverance, they were praying. They were praying. And uh, even when he was, they were praying. And so when he goes to the door, knocks on the door, Rhoda comes out. Her name is Rhoda, this young lady. Sees Peter, is like, whoa, leaves him at the door. Says, Peter's at the door. And these praying, faith-filled believers said, nah, it can't be Peter. It must be his ghost. That's what they actually said. New Testament believers said, no, it's not Peter. It's his ghost. So it's the same everywhere, you know. You know, it's the same everywhere. Anyway. The leadership of the church prioritized prayer. So the early church prioritized prayer. The leadership of the church prioritized prayer. Acts chapter 6 verse 4. As in praying together, that is. The point I want to emphasize in this teach is the importance of praying together. Praying together. Say praying together. Because we are used as a church to learn about prayer. We've learned about prayer. I've written a wonderful book about prayer, if I may say so myself. I'd encourage you to get it. It's a very good book. It will help your life. If you've got it already, get another one. Two is better than one. Acts chapter 6, verse 4. It says, but the, the apostles now, at this point, they were getting so busy, they were getting so inundated with pressure, with responsibilities, that they realized, you know what, we can't do this anymore because it's affecting our prayer and how we share the word of God. So they said this to the multitudes, find seven men full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom who we can handle, give these kind of responsibilities to. But this is our primary concern. First of all, we will give ourselves continually. Say continually. We'll give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, many pastors will endorse giving themselves to the word. And so they should. Studying the word. And it takes hours to study and prepare a message, a simple message. If you want to do it right, it takes hours. But let me tell you something, beloved. It also takes hours before God to connect with the Holy Spirit to deliver a simple word. If you're serious about the anointing, 
It's, it, it takes hours. I, I'm telling you the truth. It takes hours. You know, it doesn't take 20 minutes. I could not stand and do the things that I do on 20 minutes a day prayer. I will have, I'll, I'll have a nervous, I'll be a nervous wreck. There is no way. I need hours. Hours. And that's the truth. I'm not saying it to boast. I'm just telling you how fragile I am. I need hours. Two, three, four, five. Sometimes, some messages, I'll, I'll take days to pray. Wait on the Holy Spirit. I talk to God about many other things, of course. But my prayer motivation is, this thing I'm going to do next weekend, I need to pray. I remember, you, I remember the, the South Africa episode that happened to me um, where I was praying into one of my missions to South Africa. You know, some of you have been bored by this story, but let me tell you anyway. So, um, as I was praying, as I was just, because I, I like prayer work, and I'm, I saw my prayer work, and I said, Father, I bring South Africa before you, and I paused. I said, what? Because I saw something in the spirit. I said, what? Am I going to die in South Africa? And he said, no, you're not going to die, but you prepare yourself. So I did. I fasted 10 days, believe it or not. I fasted 10 days, and I prayed into South Africa during those 10 days. And when I went to South Africa, I told nobody about this, but when I went to South Africa, that first day, I had a car accident. The first I've ever had a proper car accident. You know, I've had a bumper car accident where you just hit the bumper thing. But this was a proper film star, um, film action film car accident where the thing somersaulted. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, this is very interesting. As the car's, but you see, I was completely protected except for my finger. Um, because I had prepared myself in prayer. And other dramatic things happened in that trip, um, which were amazing. But because I prepared myself in prayer, I was okay. Prayer is so important. So these apostles, they understood the importance of giving themselves, continuing to prayer. I mean, your worship leading was awesome today, by the way. I think we should give Tossin a hand. It was amazing. So, and, is that how you clap? Boy, don't, well, don't be encouraged. It was really great. And the team, team was good as well. It's really good. But I tell you something, you go up a notch, not just preparing how you sing, but soak your spirit, praying in tongues. Like I pray in tongues a lot. I know, I mean, I do. I, pray, I charge my spirit in tongues. I like to speak in tongues. I pray in tongues, pray in tongues, and talk to the Lord in English. Once in a while, three as well. But pray in tongues, pray in tongues, pray in tongues. Charge myself, charge yourself in, in the spirit. And I tell you, with that kind of anointing you carry, your, your, your thing will go up and not. Even musicians, spend time in the presence of God praying before you, you, you um, play your instruments. So you might find it hard. Look, there's no point doing, I mean, microwave praying is great. Like we like say, agree to pray, the anointing, in Jesus' name, amen. That's good, because that's, that's good, right? But really, probably the best thing to do is to prepare, say, on a Friday or on a Thursday or a Wednesday or a Saturday, a few two hours or three hours for the Sunday. It's like carry forward kind of thing. Say, Lord, this, this prayer time is for Sunday. It ain't for today, you know, it's for Sunday. For today's prayer, Lord, really help me, bless me, strengthen me in Jesus' name. That's for today. Now, for Sunday, do a whole Abu Shabbat praying in the spirit. Oh, God, help, I need you. I love you, Jesus. Will you help me on Sunday? Love you, Jesus. Help me on Sunday. Jesus, you're the best. Help me on Sunday. Jesus, you're really amazing. Help me on Sunday. Oh, God, we need revival. Help me on Sunday. That's how we do it. That's how I do it anyway. You know, one track mind. I'll tell him everything. And then just say, but remember missions, Lord. Please, I want to come back safely. 
don't want any accidents. I know I could probably do the ministry with one leg, but I don't really want one leg. I like the both. I, I know, you know, if I lose my eyesight, probably I could still do ministry, but I really don't want to be blind. Or whatever other crazy thing floods through your head sometimes. Say, no, Lord, I don't want that. I want to be whole. Come back. And I pray for my children. I pray for anything. I pray as I feel in my spirit. And then if I pick up something serious, then I pray. So when you prepare yourself like that, you're like these apostles. You're giving yourself continually to prayer. And as a church, if we want to be a praying community, we have to place a huge premium on prayer. Really, you have to place a huge premium. Prayer is one of these things that you easily can let slip. It's so easy to let slip. I mean, um, from 84 till today, we've been pressing hard on prayer. And I can tell you, I still find it difficult to pray. I still find it difficult. I still feel like a novice. Like yesterday, I was talking to the Lord, and after talking to him for about nearly two hours, I said, Dad, I just feel like I just started scratching. I haven't even scratched the surface, and I have to stop because I have some errands to run. It's like that with prayer. But, and at times, it's like, I don't feel like praying. How many of you don't feel like praying? You don't feel like it? How, really? Is that it? How many don't feel like praying? Hey, the, hey, a lot of you over there, you're very spiritual. You really feel like praying. But you didn't raise your hand, so you're now in disobedience as well. Well, the Lord help you. So they prioritize prayer. Another example, Acts chapter 13, 2 and 3. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them. They sent them away. Look, let me tell you something. These apostles, most of them had seen Jesus. In fact, these guys were serious men. They were men of the Spirit. They were church leaders. They didn't spend a lot of their time discussing. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit spoke. How do you minister to the Lord? It's like you, you're in his presence. You say, Dad, we just love you. you we thank you for who you are. We want you to, we want to blend. Then you go in the spirit. And then you go in the understanding, Lord, you're so good. And then you sing in the spirit. And then you sing in the understanding, Father, I just really want to love you, Lord. And then you just, you're just in and out, in and out. We just want to honor you. We just want to bless you. You're ministering to him. You're ministering. You're connecting with him. As a leadership team, they're doing this. And then the spirit speaks. One of them prophesied. Now, beloved, when it says the Spirit spoke, it doesn't mean a cloud formed and then there's a boom, boom. That's not what happened. One of them prophesied. That's how the Spirit spoke. You know, because you read these things, I mean, it's not like some cloud formed and then like in the films, like No, as they were ministering and singing and blessing them, the Spirit spoke. Through one of them. And so after that, they fasted and prayed some more and then went. Listen, what am I saying to us? As a church, we have to place such premium that not only is it as a community, but our leadership. Our leadership. So cell leaders, worship leaders, children's church. We, we, we prioritize prayer. We prioritize prayer. Those of us who are not actually active at the moment in something. Listen, this is one area you can be active in. You don't need permission from anybody. No. You don't need permission from anybody. Some of you, you've served so well in the past. 
But these days, because of situations and stuff, you're not able to do what you used to do. Don't feel condemned. You can still be part of the prayer community of the church. You are just as vital now as you were back then. Don't, there is no difference. It's, it, like with, with, with church life, it's so important you understand something. It is not in him who wills or him who runs. It's not the person here who's the most important one. Everybody is important. And I think it's so unfortunate that some of us, because maybe we're not a cell leader or a worship team, this or whatever, we feel like we're redundant. You're not redundant. Say to your neighbor, you're not redundant. And certainly prayer is one of those things, 10 more minutes, it's one of those things that, um, that you can be actively engaged in. Amen. Now, I want to say this, what I'm about to say is a bit controversial, but I want you to hear my heart. When it comes to the prayer life of a church and when it comes to the direction of a church, and as a member of a local church, I have been guilty of this. You are either working for the church or you're working against the church you're a part of. And I've done both. As a member of my local church, there's things that I have done, I did, that was working against my church. Things I said, how I behaved, that was actually undermining the church. And at the same time, there were also things that I did that helped to advance the church. What am I getting at? Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. This is what our Lord says. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. You see, when it comes to how you are in the church, one of the things you have to decide is whether you are for the church or not. And, and as I was praying about this, I was really a bit conflicted whether I should say this, but I am going to say, of course. Um, if you feel in your spirit that you cannot be for the church you're a part of, either you need to repent or you need to find a church that you can be a part of and feel for. And for us, we will bless you and we will release you in love because it is far better for you to be in a church where you can then pray, be part of their prayer life, be actively for it, than to be in a church you don't like anymore, people you can't stand anymore, and then you're taking communion on top of it. It ain't going to help your life. It ain't going to help your life. Now, sometimes our actions are unintentional. They are unintentionally hindering the progress of the church, we don't mean to do it, but it is. And so my appeal to you is when it comes to the prayer community, I want you to examine your heart. And if you need to repent of wrong attitudes, do so. You know, I am praying that nobody will say, well, in that case, you know, Joe, I hear you, I'm leaving the church. But that can happen and that may happen. And if it does, it's cool, it's okay, it's between you and the Lord. But my heart is that you would say, you know what? You're right. Because I've been guilty of this myself. I'm telling you, me, Joe, I've been guilty of this. Right? It's very easy to slag people off. Is that, is that a swear word? Slag people off? Is that, is that a swear word? These days, I don't know, you know. I'm a pastor. I don't know some of this. In my day, it wasn't a curse word. but It's very easy. And in church, it's very easy to complain. I thought you said... When we came here, it wasn't going to be cold. This place is just as cold as the DDA. 
What kind of man of God are you? All I know is, I did ask when we were getting the place. And I was assured. They forgot to say in the summer. So, we are still working on it. All right. All right, so quickly, a few things to say and then we're going to close. So, what, another thing I want to point out to us is that when we see in the scriptures exhortations to, corporate, to prayer, often we look at it from an individual context. We think he's saying, you in your personal life, continue in prayer. Or you in your personal life, pray without ceasing. No, he's talking to a corporate body. Example, Colossians 4, 2, and 2 to 4. Colossians 4, 2 to 4. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that, we, that God would open to us a door Open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Paul was speaking to a whole church community. That as a church community, they continue in prayer earnestly. They're not lackadaisical about it. They are fervent, zealous about it. They do it earnestly. We read this, I normally, when I read this, I see it like, I, Joseph, should continue earnestly. No. Us as a community, we continue earnestly in prayer. First Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. That is not individual. That is as a community. Don't stop praying. Verse 25, brethren, pray for us. Brethren, I mean, that's, that's kind of clear. Pray for us. Brethren includes the sisters. In my old church, we call it sistering and brethren. Brethren, pray for us. Second Thessalonians 3.1, finally, brethren, Pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. With you is plural you. It's not singular. So when you see the you's, a lot of times in the scriptures, in the epistles, when you see the you and, and um, are written to you and all of that, it is not to you as an individual. It is to you as a community of believers. So what are the benefits of being part of a praying community of your church? I want to quickly whisk through the relationship between the prayer life of an individual and the prayer life of the church using the battle between Israel and Amalek when they left um, Egypt. In Exodus 17 from verse 8 to 13, I'll quickly whisk through this. I'm going to eat into a few more times. So I've got 10 minutes left and then we're done. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim and Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men to go out fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I'll stand, on the top of the, I'll stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Joshua, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. These verses of Scripture, in fact, I preached this in Chennai, but in a completely different context. But I want to use this in another context in terms of prayer. Now, there are a lot of types here and shadows here that I want to touch on, a lot of um, things that we can learn from here. 
For instance, Israel represents the, the people of God, and Amalek represents um, the world system that is hostile against God's people. And those forces that seek to undermine God's people. Rephidim represents a place in our life where it's like there is no life. It's like it was like a dry place. It's in, it's in the valley of, um, if you read earlier on, there was no water in this place. And so it's like at times in our lives, when it's like it's dry, there seems to be no life. It seems like nothing's really going on in our life. It's like we're at a crossroads. Then this kind of thing happens. The enemy then rises against us at that point. It's like, leave me alone. I'm already down. And then the enemy rises against us through Amalek. Now, Moses represents leadership. He really, in this context, he represents leadership. Aaron and her represents us, but he also represents leadership around senior leadership. So Mo Moses represents someone like me. And Aaron and her represent someone like the ministry team around me and the leadership team. And then you have Joshua and you have Israel. Joshua represents Jesus and Israel represents us in the marketplace. And what you have is a situation like this, a relationship between how God works with leadership, with membership, and their victories. The fact is, as Moses' hands was up, the people of God prevailed. As Moses' hand was down, the people of God did not prevail. That's why the scripture says, smite the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And he says, I will set my hand against the little ones. When the shepherd of the church is smitten, it affects the church and the people of God become vulnerable to judgment. It's a fact. I wish it wasn't so, but it's so. And that's why you need to be careful whose leadership you're under. At the end of the day, me, I would advise you, scrutinize me. If you don't think that my life is right, find a church. Hey, that's my advice because I know my life. But let's move on. So you have this situation. But here's the curious thing. Joshua and Israel could not prevail unless leadership was prevented. I find it curious that as long as Moses' hand was up, they were winning. But when it was down, they were not. Do not underestimate the role you play in helping the church to move forward. You play a role. Whether you like it or not. Whether you believe it or not. The other day there was a church of about 800 people. They were doing so well. And then something happened with the pastor. And now they're scattered. They're completely scattered. They're discouraged. Some of them have stopped serving the Lord. Some of them have stopped going to church. Just one man, something happened to him, and it happened. And so at times people get scared of leadership. Beloved, we need you as much as you need us. But here's the thing. Joshua and Israel prevailed when Moses' hand was up. Our Lord Jesus is limited in his effectiveness in our lives if the leadership he places under us are not functioning the way they're supposed to. So we have a role to play. We can be like Aaron and her. And corporate prayer is God's way of helping us to prevail 
together. Amen. Quickly, the benefits of corporate prayer. One, it sharpens your focus for spiritual things. How many of you found that? Since you started praying, you're a lot more, I've, I've noticed in some of you, a lot more spiritually focused than you used to be. Secondly, it assists with personal discipline. You, are, you become restricted. Before I could go to bed at one, two, you know, it didn't really matter because I'll still be able to factor in my prayer time. Now, try it and see. <laughs> I have to go to bed like my dad used to go to bed. Ten. Well, no, he used to do 9.30 jobs. Now, ten, 11. In order to be able to get up at 4.30. At times I can tell when people are still trying to wake up as they snore through the um, online thing. Thirdly, corporate prayer contributes towards our spiritual development. It strengthens your spiritual life. Four, it reinforces your private prayer life. It really does. So I had this goal some time ago that I wanted to pray three to five hours a day. It's not like I've got nothing else to do with my life. I found it almost impossible. I don't think I ever met the goal in one day, maybe one odd occasion. But with this new thing that's been happening, by force, five to six, I'm praying. Sometimes by force, nine to ten, I'm praying. And those rare moments, 12.30 to one, I'm praying. So how many hours is that? Two and a half already. Praise God. I've done two hours and a half hours already. Hallelujah. Now you might say, what's all that? That's just marking time. Mind your own business. This is how we're trying to develop. You, you carry on with your whatever. We, 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 we're not good at this. We have to find some ways. I'm not good at it. I'm not good at praying long. So I have to find something to help me. Are you listening to me? Yeah. Some of you might be skilled. You don't need all these stuff. Me, I need it. I need it. So then I've only got two and a half hours left. And I can kind of skillfully do, do that. You know, a bit of snoozing here. One hour here, 45 minutes here, 30 minutes here. And then I've hit my target. Never happened in my life before. I've walked with Jesus for 36 years. There have been odd moments where I've spent more than five hours a day in prayer. But most of the time, I'm going to tell you now, so that on the last day, when you look at my record, you can see I wasn't lying. Most of the time, I haven't done five hours a day. I haven't done it. But these days, it's been a lot easier. Another thing it does is it allows us to buy into the vision of the house. You see, as a visionary, I can tell you this. For the first time in my ministry, I pray for this church almost every single day. I know, it sounds really crazy. I'm the pastor. But I can tell you, whilst I may pray every day, I don't pray for the church every day. I didn't used to. I got too much things going on. But now I'm forced to win it. Let's pray for the church. Even if I'm not going to do it, the prayer leader is going to do it. You understand? So it helps, and because by praying for the church, I'm praying for you, and I'm praying for you, and I'm praying for you. And it helps the vision and the focus. Number seven. Is it seven? Six. It assists the progress of the vision. Seven. It protects us from attacks of the enemy. It really does. And that's why you find that you become vulnerable. When you're becoming vulnerable to sin, one of the first things you stop doing is I'm not saying this is why some of you are not online, so don't start, right? But you stop logging in online. Just keep looking ahead. Also, it empowers access to the anointing of the house. It does. There is an anointing on this house. 
And when you plug into the corporate prayer life, you access an anointed for your own life. Nine, it enables sensitivity to the needs of others in your church. Have you noticed that now you're a lot more conscious of people in the church than you used to be? Anyone recognize that? Okay, I'm, I'm only talking to Steve, yeah? All right, and finally, it assists in your own personal victory, your own victory. So I want to encourage you, like Sammy said earlier on, to really buy into this corporate prayer thing. Let's pray. If you can bow your heads, close your eyes, we're going to pray. And I'm going to make an appeal. My appeal is very simple. And it is for those of us who want to buy into the corporate prayer life of our church, who are currently not doing it and are saying they want to do it and they want the grace from God to do it. Or maybe they used to do it and they stopped, but now they say they want to buy into it again. If that is you, I want you to stand where you are. I'm going to pray over you, and then I'm going to change the order of service. And as you stand, just raise your hands to the Lord and just tell him what you feel, what you want to do. Thank you, Holy Father. Thank you for these wonderful men and women that are standing right now. Thank you for the way you speak to us the way you help us, the way you strengthen us, the way you encourage us. Lord, as these ones are standing right now, I ask for the supply of your spirit, your grace upon them. Will you empower them to invest in this? Will you strengthen them? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Lord bless you. Thank you. You may take your seats, Andrew. Thank you.